Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Carl. Would you please stand for our scripture reading? Today's reading is from Psalm 40, verses 1 through 5. For the director of music of David, a psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mire, the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Let's remain standing as we pray. Lord, we invite you here. We, we recognize, Lord, that you are already here. And we pray the words of this psalm that, Lord, we ask that you will lift us up. And you, Lord, will give us a new song, a song of praise to sing. And something that comes out of our hearts that is only from you. So, Lord, we look forward to that. We look forward to hearing your word this morning. We pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Let's start off talking about the Psalms in general. Point one this morning is the Psalms teach us the language of faith. If you want to get better at praying, if you want to get better at encouraging people and talking about the things of faith, well, then look at the Psalms. Read the Psalms. They go through, we've talked about this, they go through almost every human emotion that there is. You can find them in the Psalms. And a particular type of prayer and faith and language that I particularly would love to get better at is the lament kind of prayers, the lament kinds of things we say to each other when someone is not doing too good because in our society it's not good to not be doing good like that's just what we say right like we say if I say how are you you're supposed to say like even if you want to crawl in a hole and dye your hair blue you're supposed to say how are you you're supposed to say good even if you're doing horrible that's just what our society, what's normal, the greeting we say to each other is, how are you? And you're supposed to say, I'm doing good. And I'm, I want to tell you this morning that if you're not doing good, I think personally, it's okay to say, you know, I'm not doing too good. And open yourself up and, and share what's really going on. But in our society, we don't do good with people who are not doing good. And I, as a Christian, and I hope this will happen to you this week, where you'll hear about someone not doing good. And I want to give you a tool this morning, Psalm 40, and the words and the prayer in Psalm 40 is meant to encourage us because this Psalm is somewhat of a Thanksgiving Psalm and it's somewhat of a lament Psalm at the same time. And I've been thinking about this Psalm. Last week, uh, Evan Redal was here. He preached on Psalm 42, which is as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after you. And today we're talking about Psalm 40, which 
for some of you, just it really upsets you because it's out of order, but that's okay because the Psalms are each kind of their own prayer in and among, in and among themselves. But Psalm 40, I've been praying uh, this week and over people, the Lord has maybe given me opportunities to think through this prayer, think through this Psalm. Uh, last week, I was visiting uh, a man, a young man, he's my age, almost 40, which is still a young man in my opinion. And he, uh, he was the guy, many of you know him and have heard about him. He was the guy a couple years ago who was in Soda Springs Park that was involved in a fight and some guys jumped him and they crushed his neck and he broke his neck. And now he's a quadriplegic. He's been a couple years now as a quadriplegic. And I visit him every so often. And I visited him last week and I always pray a prayer over him. He's not a Christian, but he's very open to spiritual things. And I prayed Psalm 40. I said, Lord, lift this man up. He's, he's, he's suffering. He's in pain and he, he can't use his hands or his feet, but Lord lift him up. And even in this place, set him on a rock. And Lord, I pray that you would give him a new song in his mouth, even in this place that he's in. And I prayed that I just thought this, this Psalm has given me the words to pray in that situation. On Tuesday, I called a young man who is in a state mental institution down in Pueblo. He's not doing too well at at all. He's on a level of suicide watch where he can't even have visitors. And I'm only allowed to call because I'm a pastor. And I talked with him and he just told me how, how he's trying to do better, but things are just horrible right now. And in his life, he, things are not going well. And I prayed this, Lord, lift him up, put him on a rock, set him on a firm foundation and give him a new song to sing. And I prayed that. And, and he received that word. On Thursday, I visited someone in jail El Paso County Jail. Um, they're a member of our congregation, got into some trouble, and now they're in jail. And the situation is one of waiting. And this psalm starts off with, I waited patiently for the Lord. And so I prayed that over this person on Thursday. I prayed even now in this place of waiting, though we pray that we can look back from this time and say, Lord, you've lifted us up and you've put us on solid ground and you've given us a new song to sing. So this psalm is a tool for all of you. So this week, when you say, how are you doing? And someone says, eh, eh, you have a tool. You can pray this and say this over people that the Lord would lift them up, put them on a rock and give them a new song to sing a song of praise. Are you ready to look at Psalm 40? Are you ready? This psalm, I mean, this psalm is a tool for us. It's a psalm of thanksgiving, looking back at a lament. But here it is in present tense. This psalm is saying, the Lord has lifted me up. So Psalm 40, turn there. If you have a Bible, a paper Bible, turn there. If you are able to turn there in, on your phone without looking at text messages, then turn there. I know I ask a lot of you, but, but if, if you're able, you can look at your phone at Psalm 40. And it starts off with, I wait patiently for the Lord. And that's a wonderful translation. It's translated that way in many different versions of the English. The Hebrew is more like this waiting comma. I waited. So some scholars in the Hebrew say I waited patiently is maybe a little too tame. The message translation, which I always appreciate. It's a very easy to read translation. It is a paraphrase from the Hebrew. And it says this, it says, I waited and I waited and I waited. 
And isn't that how we sometimes find ourselves in life situations, waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen, for the Lord to do something? And it's this part of the psalm that we see the lament. Like here he is, this person, uh, David, who writes this prayer, and many of us have experienced this waiting and waiting and waiting for the Lord to do something, for the Lord to lift us up. I had a professor when I was in seminary at Fuller Seminary in uh, Pasadena, California. His name was John Golden Gay. He was an Englishman. He still is. He's in his 70s, still teaching at Fuller Seminary. He went to Oxford, and then he studied at Nottingham, and he was very proper in the way he talked, and he's probably one of the foremost scholars of the Old Testament living today. He's a beast, and I mean that in a good way, theologically speaking, like he knows his stuff. He's a beast, and I appreciated him because he didn't come to class all dressed up and suited and bow-tied and ties and and suits. He always wore, his thing was t-shirts And the t-shirt was always a U2, the band t-shirt. Like, that's what he wore to class. And I was like, that that 70-year-old's a pretty cool dude. He's got U2 t-shirts on. And I'll I'll come back to U2 in just a little while because they wrote a song called 40 based on this psalm. Uh, Anyways, John Golden Gay, he's in his 70s now. But when he was a young man, when he was uh, just a seminary student himself, he was on some committee in the Church of England to uh, go over and re-go over the liturgy of the Church of England and kind of update it. And he was in this committee with other scholars and, and gentlemen who had, uh, had lived a long life in theology and study and in the church. And so he was in this meeting updating the liturgy and what the people will say in the Church of England. And he made this comment that it was a good thing that they were using less of these stupid psalms in the services because he said they were just so meaningless. Sounds like something a very young man would say, right? And so this older gentleman, a wise scholar uh, ordained in the Church of England, turns to a little young John Golden Gay and says, boy, one day you are going to need the psalms. And that's all he said, and it kind of stuck with John Golden Gay. He, got, he went on to get his doctorate. He went on to get married and have kids. And later in life, his wife was not doing too well. His wife got multiple sclerosis, which is just a horrible degenerative disease that attacks not just the brain, but also the muscles. And the person loses, um, kind of gets dementia and forgets things, memories, forgets even who they are. And as John was crying out to the Lord, taking care of his wife, crying and in protest, he remembered these wise old man's words that one day he would need the Psalms. And he thought, yes, this is it. I need the Psalms. The Psalms lead us through life's disappointments, life's waiting, like this Psalm, life's sadness. And 50% of the Psalms in the Bible, get this, 50, 50% of the, the Psalms in the Bible are Psalms of lament. They are psalms that are psalms of sadness. They are psalms of lament. We'll put up the definition for lament. It is the practice of naming and navigating pain, longing, and loss. Lament is the practice of naming, navigating, naming and navigating pain, longing, and loss. 
which is to say that that's something different than just grumbling. We, we see that word sometimes, uh, that when we grumble against God, we grumble in a situation, that's when we uh, stop talking to God and we start, we stop talking to God and start talking about God. When we gossip, it's the same kind of thing. We stop talking to that person and we start talking about that person. It's not helpful. So this is different than just complaining and grumbling. Lament is the practice of naming and navigating pain, longing, and loss. Point three is this. Point three of four is this. God turns to us and lifts us up. Let me reread this psalm. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire, he set my feet upon the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. So God turns to us and lifts us up. And maybe that's something we can only realize from hindsight, looking back at our life and saying, yes, at those horrible times when I was waiting and waiting and waiting, the Lord was there and he did lift me up. Have you ever been stuck in the mud maybe figuratively, like in life, have you been stuck somewhere waiting on something or a situation? And maybe you got into that place because of our own dumb decisions. I think back on, on different situations, stressful things, and, and how I got there. Is it my own dumb mistakes? This particular Psalm in verse 12 says, my sins have overtaken me. And for some of us, we were in places of waiting for the Lord. We're in places of suffering and stress and situations because honestly we would look back and even admit to ourselves yeah that was my own silly mistake that was my own sin that brought me there but sometimes I'm thinking about like health or sickness or situations that we had no control over we just end up in the mud in the pit waiting Maybe it's for a job. I know people who are looking for a job now. Maybe it's uh, waiting for the Lord for a marriage to strengthen. <clears throat> Maybe it's, I used to be the college pastor up at New Life for um, the young adults. And for many people in that age, it was literally waiting on a spouse. They would just be honest and say, it's brutal right now. My, I feel like I'm going through hell with all these broken relationships and things not working and kind of working and then breakups. And it's just horrible waiting and waiting and waiting. Maybe it's um, uh, someone who is in incarceration. Maybe it's waiting for healing. Maybe it's waiting to get back to to a place you once were, we find ourselves stuck in the mud. Has anyone ever literally got stuck their vehicle in the mud before? Only a few hands. Yeah, right. You've all gotten stuck. I uh, have been stuck in the mud plenty of times. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I was uh, always going, I was uh, kind of uh, duck hunting uh, down to Holbrook Lake. Anybody know where this is? It's down South Pueblo. Then you go to Rocky Ford and it is just a mud pit. And me and some buddies on some Saturdays would go duck hunting and we'd get there and we'd look out early in the morning and be like, oh, look, it's not too muddy. It looks plenty dry. It looks plenty hard. And that was usually because early in the morning, the mud was frozen. And so we drive over the mud and like, Hey, we get to go out and we don't have to carry our stuff this too far this day. And so we get out, we do our thing. And then the sun would come up and it would get warm around nine or 10. And we go back to the truck and we would just see it sunk in the mud, like right where we parked it. Great. And now it's like, all we have to do, we see the higher ground. We see the hard road. It's like from here 
to like here. It's like 15 feet away and it just has to go that far and we cannot make it. The more you spin, the more you sink in. And this, I would like to say, this happened once to us and we learned from our mistake. This happened like three or four times. We got stuck in the mud. Pretty much every time we went down there, we get, and it'd be like, all right, this time we're not going to get stuck. And sure enough, we, we're like, we'll just drive over here. That looks really solid. And then sure enough, same thing. Every time we'd get stuck in the mud and we would wait and we would, we would dig and we'd push and we'd rock it back and forth. We'd turn the steering wheel right and left and try all these little tricks and none of it would work. We'd just sink further and further and then we just sat there waiting for someone else to come along another truck to come along who would eventually maybe help us and then maybe they wouldn't get stuck themselves but it's brutal to be stuck in the mud and that's in this psalm clearly a metaphor that we get into places that we cannot get out of on our own we need help from the church we need help from other people we need help from ultimately this psalm leads us to the lord the ultimate one who can help us let me tell you a, a modern day parable maybe you've heard of this parable before it's called the the parable of the man who fell into a hole and it's a parable about uh, what different religions would say to someone who is down in the hole. And to be fair to other religions, and I want to be respectful to other religions, maybe you're in here uh, just visiting us today and you're a follower of another religion. I think this parable does oversimplify other religions, but it does make this point that Jesus is very different. Jesus is God himself. That's what we're believing in here as Christians, as this church. We believe that Jesus Jesus is God, which makes the Christian religion different than every other religion on the face of the earth, that Jesus, God himself, came down as one of us to save us. And that is ultimately the good news. If you've wondered, like, what's church all about? What are they really saying? Well, we're saying that Jesus is God, and he comes down as one of us into this world and lifts us up because he loves us, because he died for us on the cross. And so here's the parable of the man in the hole. A man fell in the hole and could not get out. A traveler came walking by, looked down into the hole and saw the man in a hopeless situation and said to the man, meditate down there in that hole. And when you reach nirvana, all suffering will cease. But the man meditated in the hole and there he still sat. Another man walked up to the hole, saw him in there, and proclaimed that the hole did not exist. Neither did the man in the hole. But the man who was in the hole that apparently didn't exist, and the hole that didn't exist, he was still down in there. Another, a third visitor came, looked in the hole, saw the man in this hopeless situation, and said, man down in the hole, if you perform good deeds and good karma, you will still be in that hole in this life, but maybe in another life, you will be free from that hole. Another man, a fourth man came by, looked down into the hole and saw the man in the hole and said, what you need to do down there is to pray to the east and follow five important tenets. And one day, if the divine has mercy on you, then one day, maybe after you die, you will be set free from that hole. But the man down in the hole prayed and lost strength. And still there he was in this hopeless situation down in the hole. The fifth man came and there was something different about this man. He looked down into the hole and he called down to the man 
and said, do you want to be free? Think about that. Like that's, that's the words of Jesus. We see Jesus in the gospels. If you've ever read through Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, it's these stories of Jesus where he finds someone in a hopeless situation, someone in need of healing, someone in need of hope. And he often asks them, hey, do you want to get well? And so this fifth man, Jesus, looks down into the hole and asks this man, do you want to become free? And the man said yes. And so Jesus lowered down a rope into the hole and he himself came down into the hole and with that rope dragged the man back up out of the hole. And that's the religion. That's the religion we follow here as Christians. That is the good news. If you've heard that term before, what's the good news? Well, the good news is that Jesus, God himself, came down into our world. And he is the one who lifts us out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire and the clay. The fourth and final point this morning is this. God sets us on a firm place and puts a new song in our mouth. That's some good news. It says this. Um, in Psalm 40, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Think about that. He puts a new song in our mouth. I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament. Do you know the story of Moses and all the Israelites? They're slaves in Egypt. And then they, he, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And there's these plagues. And eventually uh, Pharaoh relents and lets the people go. And so they go with like all that they can carry into the wilderness because to be in the wilderness apart from slavery is a better thing. So they're in the wilderness running from the Egyptians. And guess what happens? The Egyptians, Pharaoh changes his mind. Don't you hate it when someone gives you something and then like wants it back? Well, this happens to the Israelites. It's a brutal thing. Don't change your mind with people, especially if you're giving something good. Don't change your mind. Let them have it. Right? Right? Yeah. Okay. So Pharaoh lets people go, changes his mind and says, I'm going to get them back or I'm just going to kill them out in the wilderness where they are. And so they go out, uh, the Pharaoh and the armies and the chariots go out to destroy the Israelites or to get them back. And the Israelites make it to the Red Sea and now they're stuck. All hope is lost, but not really because... The, the Lord parts the sea. The people walk across on dry land. Pharaoh and his chariots, these people who have changed their mind, who are looking to kill or bring back into slavery, all these Israelites go into the water or where the water was and the water comes back over them. And there they are stuck in the Red Sea. And the Israelites look back and say, we're saved. Yes, this is awesome. And you can read about it. In the book of Exodus, they start singing songs. Someone pulls out a tambourine, this little instrument that cannot be redeemed, and they, they're just going crazy. Miriam, Moses' sister, pulls out this tambourine, and they're just dancing and saying things like, I will sing a new song to the Lord. He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, he has thrown into the sea. We don't know what that sounded like, but we could just imagine it sounded really happy. It's like at a football game when the, the bad guys, the other team have the ball and your team is is playing and the the cheers from the cheerleaders are saying like go defense defense and they're saying things like uh, <laughs> I don't know what they say somebody help me out <laughs> it's like these slow songs like uh, uh, <laughs> control is the key to get that victory 
Anybody? No cheerleaders? Am I crazy? And then the other team's quarterback throws the ball. It gets tipped up. It's still in the air. And your team catches it and runs all the way back, gets a touchdown, and the songs go boom, like the, the band starts up, and then all the instruments, yes, a new song, like they were going to score, and now we're going to win. This is awesome. This is what this psalm is saying. You were in the pit. Someone was down in the clay, and they couldn't get out, and there was no hope, and the Lord lifted them up, put him on a sure foundation, and put a new song in their mouth, a song of praise. And this is the good news. This is, this whole psalm is a psalm of looking back and saying, there was a time of, of lament, waiting and waiting and waiting. And in hindsight, we see that the Lord lifted us up, put us on a firm foundation and gave us a new song to sing. I'll conclude, uh, like I, I said, I would, uh, so this band U2, anybody know the band U2? Never heard of them. Get out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, this band, I was, I'm a big fan of you two. I, in high school, I had a cassette tape. Anybody know what a cassette tape is? Um, so I had a Walkman, a Sony Walkman and a cassette tape and earphones. And I would listen to this band, U2. And in high school, at some, at some point, uh, I, I kind of rededicated my life to Christ and decided, yes, I really want to follow Jesus. So U2 has a big place in my heart. And of course, the Bible, Christianity. And then one day I found out that U2 wrote this song called 40, which guess what it's about? Psalm 40. Duh. And I was just, my mind was just like blown. Like, wow, I love you too. I love the Bible. Wow, it's all, the whole world is coming together. But the band, supposedly they, they needed a final song on this album that came out in the early 80s called War. They needed a final song. And supposedly they wrote the song in 10 minutes. They recorded it in 10 minutes and they mixed it in 10 minutes. And it became the anthem for U2 concerts. So U2 would sing songs. They would lead a concert. And then the very last song would be this song, 40, which is after Psalm 40. And it goes something, I'm, I'm not going to even and begin to sing it because you guys have already laughed at me for the cheerleading thing. Um, <laughs> so the song is literally the direct lines of Psalm 40 saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And, and so the, this song comes on at the end of every U2 concert all through the 80s, all through the 90s. Maybe they're still doing this as well. Um, and so they, they start singing this song and then the chorus towards the end of the song is how long until we sing this song. So it's saying, the Lord is going to give us a new song. He's going to lift us up, but how long to sing this song? How long to sing this song? How long to sing this song? How long, how long, how long? And so the, the, the band is singing this, and then as they would do every time they did this, that they would, one member at a time would walk off the stage, leaving the crowd singing and screaming, how long to sing this song. And I thought about this and, and the, the, just the, a, a ton of people, a couple thousand people singing how long, singing, waiting. You know, this, this song is about waiting on the Lord and how long, Lord, until you give us this new song. And maybe many of us in here are waiting for something. Many of us in here 
are, are kind of maybe asking that for some particular thing in our life. How long until we get to sing this new song that the Lord has promised to us? How long, Lord? And as I thought about this, this moment right here uh, in the sermon throughout the week, I, I thought maybe for some of you that this is a lament psalm. Maybe for some of you it's, it's unfortunate news that there's going to be more waiting. Like you're waiting and waiting for the Lord but there's going to be some more waiting in your life. And where do we wait? Well, we wait with the Lord at the foot of the cross. We wait with him there because ultimately when he acts and it will be in his time, he will be the one who lifts us up out of the pit. He will be the one that puts us on firm ground. He will be the one that ultimately gives us that new song to sing. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We're going to Consider that the Lord is with us. We're going to consider and hope that the Lord, when we pray and cry out to the Lord, as so many of us have, so many of us will, that the Lord is right there listening and waiting for us. And so, Lord, we wait on you. We take a minute and just say, Lord, we're waiting on you to do a new thing. We're waiting on you in, in the, the things of life the disappointments of life. Lord, we're waiting on you to do something new, to lift us up, Lord, to give us a new song. And maybe, Lord, even now, even today, maybe this is something you're doing for us, and maybe we will only see it when we're past this season and we're looking back. But, Lord, we pray to you right now. Lord, we worship you. We seek you. Lord, this morning we slow ourselves in a in a church environment. We're going to sing songs. We're going to take communion. And Lord, it's at the foot of the cross that we wait for you to do something. And Lord, we, we know ultimately that what you do is you lift us up. You are the one who takes us, puts us on firm ground. And Lord, you put a new song in our mouth, a song of praise. So Lord, we worship you. We praise you this morning, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to read Psalm 40, just these first five verses, and we're going to read them as a call and response. We'll put it here uh, on the screen. And so I'll read the part that says, Reader, then all together, you guys read the congregation. I waited patiently for the Lord. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. He set my feet on a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. Many will see and fear the Lord. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can bear with you, for I seek and tell of your 